Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Soccer 101, the podcast where we scratch the soccer itches you never knew you had. Today, we're looking at something that every single professional player does when they join a new team, but something we don't know an awful lot about, the medical. Why are player medicals necessary? What do they consist of? Are they perfunctory? And what happens when a player fails them? My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today to put the cold stethoscope on the chest of this topic is Taylor Rockwell. Hello, I was ready for the for the misdirect of a thing every player does, and then it was going to be like poorly juggle or something. I like that you went straight forward, right? Yeah, I'm very literal today, I suppose. You're very welcome. Um, Joe Lowry, hello. <laughs> hello, Ryan. I like how your voice gets deeper for the 101 intros and the TSS ones. Yeah. It's like, hello, yeah. welcome to 101. This is very serious. I like it. I'm mm. feeling serious. Let's do this thing. I tried to do my more serious broadcasting tone on 101, Joe. Is it working? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's great. Your, your BBC voice. Yes, indeed. Graham Ruthven, this is my Top Gear voice, where you go up <laughs> like this, and then you go down. <laughs> Hello, Ryan Bailey. How are you? Hello, Graham. I'm very good. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm very interested in talking about this topic today uh, in medicals. Um, the thumbs up picture from the medical, very famous picture we've seen many, many times, often a player wearing like denim jeans with no shirt on, with loads of wires on their chest, doing a thumbs up. It's a picture we've all seen many, many times before. I'd like to dig into that process a little more in this episode. I'll add at the top, by the way, I actually had a medical last week here in Rome, Italy, because when you, you join... Signed for Lazio. Yeah, I'm, I'm signing for Lazio. I, I picked the right one in this town, yay. Um, <laughs> the, before you can join a gym or do any physical activity here, you have to have what? a medical what? certificate from your doctor. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What? I have so many questions. First of all, Lazio is the right one? Do you mean that literally? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Although literally, I suppose, I, if I'm still being literal, Tater, yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, there um, we go. So even if you want to go to like your local gym and, you know, go on a treadmill or something, you have to have a medical certificate because this is the land of ridiculous bureaucracy. So I booked an appointment with a doctor to go and have my medical and for him to give me a certificate that I could present to my gym to sign up, which I've done. Um, And I walked into the doctor's office. He says, what's your date of birth? I told him my name and my date of birth. And he goes, here you go. This is 35 euros, please. And I was like, okay, thank you for the certificate. When does the testing begin? He looked me up and down and went, you look healthy. (laughs) That was it. That was the Italian medical. So I I would hope that the soccer medical is a little more stringent than that. Uh, So, Joe, if you don't mind leading us into this topic a little bit, (laughs) what exactly is a medical? Is it more than a doctor having 35 euros for a piece of paper? Yeah, I love this episode of Ryan Loves Italy. Man, this is one of my favorites. (laughs) Really, really good. 
<laughs> so medicals are part of the process when a player goes to sign for a new team, right? So they're part of the transfer process when a player is registering in a new uh, country with a new association. They happen hundreds of times every transfer window. So they're often required, as I said, by football associations. As an example, the, the German Football Association requires every Bundesliga professional to provide an annual proof that they are fit to play. So that's the idea that's common across soccer, right? So they need to have some sort of medical professional examine someone before they go to the gym. This, Ryan, this is sounding more and more like Italy. I don't know if it's 35 euros or not, but I mean, they're not that <laughs> different, I guess. So the, the process usually goes something like this for transfers. There's a fee agreed to between the clubs. Uh, that's, that's done. Okay, the agents are dealt with. That's done. The contract is agreed to. That's personal terms. It's usually written at this point and, and agreed to but not signed, right? Because... Oftentimes, you won't be able to sign that contract until you complete the medical. So players will often fly straight from wherever they are. So let's say I'm moving from Celtic to, uh, I don't know, Bayern Munich. I don't know if that's happened before, but we're going to say it has. I would go and I would fly to Germany, and I would probably go straight to the hospital facility that, that Bayern Munich uses, the medical facilities, and undergo a bunch of different medical tests and examinations and fitness exams and all of that kind of stuff that we can talk about in just a minute. But that's a basic definition of what a medical is in soccer. Taylor, I pre- I've always presumed that these medicals happen for like insurance reasons, and so we don't have more unfortunate incidents on the field like we have with Christian Eriksen in the Euros. Uh, I mean, I think that's part of it. They want to make sure that there isn't a uh, dramatically wrong situation with a player. But I think a lot of it, uh, maybe frustratingly or realistically, comes down to clubs don't want to invest a bunch of money in a player that they won't be able to benefit from financially. And so if you're looking to sign a player for four or five years or beyond that, you're looking to see will their body withstand that? Will they be able to hand up to the rigors of the league and training and everything along those lines? So there is a we want to make sure that they are medically sound. And there have been players who had heart issues specifically that kept them from being cleared right away or they had to get uh, procedures done. We'll talk about some more specific instances later on. But I think for the most part, it's it's making sure that players' bodies seem capable of withstanding the rigors of a season. And that's where one of the most interesting things I learned about this is I assumed it was a, at the end of it, you get a grade and you either pass or fail. And when we talk about failing a medical, it's not that sort of like, oh, yep, they failed. Like, you got an F, you you got below a 50 or something. It's much more, here is the medical report. Now it's up to the next group of decision makers to make the uh, decision as to whether or not that player is going to end up being worth the transfer. All right, we'll get into failed medicals a little later in the show. By the way, you fail them here in Italy by having 34 euros rather than 35, <laughs> I believe, is the case. I mean, aren't you just kind of describing a physical? Which I guess you should still do the physical. Uh, that that probably is a little bit strange. But the, the, I, I always enjoy those weird little bureaucratic loopholes and strange things that have to happen that no one takes that seriously. Uh, that is not just unique to Italy. My experience in Turkey had some similarities there, too. That's true. Yeah, and I'll actually say for the record, I used to work at Men's Health magazine many a year ago, and I went for a full uh, medical phys- physical um, with mm-hmm. like a private healthcare provider, and it was very, very thorough. They took my blood. I had to go on the treadmill, do my VO2 max. I had to do lots of uh, complicated things. I had ECG, of course, as well. So I've, I've kind of been through the process a little bit. But um, Graham, if you can go into a bit more detail of what specifically goes on in a medical, I've always... Before I had that medical at Men's Health magazine, I always pictured it as, um, you know, men wearing leotards lifting triangular weights. (laughs) Or maybe I'm confusing that with 19th century strongmen. 
I think you might be. Yes, okay. I think we've come uh, on a little bit since then. So the exact tests carried out in a medical, they vary depending on the club. The manager, who might want a specific profile of, of player to fit in with his team, uh, and also the player as well. So the clubs will conduct a health check, and one of the things they're looking for here is cardio health. And this has become a, a greater focus in recent years, particularly after a bit of a watershed moment. I know we had the Christian Eriksen incident recently, but actually a watershed going further back was the Fabrice Muamba incident. And I found all sorts of things about how um, in the UK, the British um, Heart Foundation now actually has a series of tests that are recommended when a player does a medical. So that's kind of a, a first test that is that is conducted. Then you have fitness tests, tests that are, that are carried out and we'll look at various things from body fat percentages percentages i'm glad i don't have to go through that and Mm -hmm. vo2 testing which i think is the thing you were talking about there ryan which essentially measures how much oxygen your body uses while exercising and is a a good gauge of just how fit a player is in in a in a cardio sense and there is some variance in, in how far some clubs will go with some of their checks but um, some will conduct vision, hearing and dental checks as part of the, a medical as well. And I found an article from a former Manchester United club doctor on what tests would usually be carried out for medical. And, and, and he he laid out six different tests. Uh, I'm just going to read these out quickly. So I'm, I'm reading from this article. I think it was in 442. So the first test was heart and health, which I already kind of referenced to. It includes a, a cardio screening with an ECG. It would involve blood tests and a fitness check. The second test would be musculoskeletal stability, which is an in-depth look at possible weak spots like lower lumbar and pelvic region. And they might ask a, a player to do some straightforward exercise, exercises and look for any issues with form or muscle tightness. Third test is is- isokinetic issues, and that focuses on muscles and movements like the, the quads and, and hamstrings. And this identifies any weaknesses that might come before an injury or might have come as a result of a past injury. Fourth test, deep scanning. So that usually involves an, an ultrasound scan to assess the majority of muscles and joints in the human skeleton. The fifth test is body fat score. So uh, bioelectrical impedance technology new one on me but this is a a a body fat monitor that sends an electrical signal through the the body to measure (laughs) lean tissue and fat Uh, and most professional players apparently are expected to be around the 10 percent body fat mark I'm, i'm slightly above that not not much above that Wow. And are you above the body uh, the body fart mark as well, Graham? <laughs> yes, regularly. <laughs> okay. Good, um, good, and good. the sixth and final test is the ergonomic sprint test. So, as the name suggests, measures a player's speed over a set distance, um, and a result apparently, according to this article, a result of sub three seconds uh, is what you would expect for a twenty, mi- 20 meter sprint from a, a player in the championship in England and above. So. Those are six tests that I found uh, pretty forensically laid out in terms of what a player could go through, uh, would go through at a, a medical, at a pretty high level club. Wow, that's really interesting, Graham. Thank you for that. And I, I'm just picturing Cristiano Ronaldo at a medical being told he's got double digit body fat and sort of throwing all the machines over. <laughs> I haven't had a carb since 2006. I think he'd, uh, he'd be very angry about that one. Uh, Taylor... Is this is yeah. it kind of going to a medical with a soccer player with his new prospective club? Is it kind of like taking a mechanic when you go buy a second-hand car and the mechanic saying, "Oh, we're looking twelve hundred bucks off for that"? Is it is it is it box checking and an assessment of the fee in a way? 
Yeah, I, I think it can be that for sure, because I think there are instances in which a player will go uh, and is expected to have the kind of the full bill of health. And then if there is a knee injury or a back issue or sort of a chronic situation that they expect to get worse, again, going back to the cynical but maybe realistic or pragmatic side of things, if you're going to spend $50 million on a player who medical experts are telling you is likely to have you know severe lower back pain in the next two seasons, are you going to want to spend $50 million or are you going to go back and say, you know what, we have this, these concerns about the player, we still want to sign him, but we feel like he's not going to be as regularly on the pitch, he's going to require more treatment, so we're going to knock off $10 million. you can agree to that or not. There can be those renegotiations, because when that medical is happening, Penn hasn't yet been put to paper, nothing is official, and so you will get those sort of changes in valuation. They don't happen all that often, as far as I understand, and they don't often, like, it's not that big of a swing. I think I saw some that were like, was supposed to be a 7 million pound fee that dropped to 5 or 6. Maybe some bigger ones along the way there, too. But yeah, for the most part, it's essentially making sure that they meet that that valuation as well as the physical requirements needed to yeah. play in the system. And And you also get a lot of cases where... Problems will arise in a medical and a manager will override the opinion yeah. of the club doctors just because they need, they feel they need that player. So a good example of that would be Charlie Austin I was reading about. So he failed a medical to sign for Hull City in 2013 before signing for QPR just three weeks later because Harry Redknapp felt he needed Charlie Austin in his squad. So they ignored basically the medical and Charlie Austin, I think, actually in the in the immediate term was was pretty decent for QPR, but I think he has his career has taken a downturn pretty qu- pretty quickly due to his injury record. So maybe Harry Redknapp should have paid more attention to those reports. I don't think Harry Redknapp's looking at a graph of VO two max. Yeah, Graham, is he? Well, as we found out in court, he doesn't own a computer. So. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah, his dog does. Right, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Joe. I think the confusing part of the whole medical process is that these are ultra-fit athletes that we have here uh, who have already established, most of the time, they've established themselves at other clubs, yet they have to jump through this hurdle again to play for a different club. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It It is a little bit strange, and there were a couple of different folks that asked us this question, which inspired the episode, and, and part of the, the wondering was... Well, they were already fit enough to play before, right? So going back to my Celtic to Bayern Munich example, they were already playing professional soccer at a high level, probably in the Champions League and certainly in the top top division in Scotland. You know, what is going to change to make them not fit enough to play for Bayern Munich? Yeah, there is a level change in a lot of these transfers in terms of the quality on the field around them and the quality of the opposition, but they're still fit enough to go around and run. But basically the answer is, Ryan, I think your analogy was really, really good. You're buying... Uh, a car, right? You're buying a car and you want it to be operating at peak efficiency, right? If you're going, I don't watch much racing or or Formula One or any Formula One, but you're going to be able to tell the difference in a NASCAR race or whatever this is between a car that's operating at, at, at 100% efficiency and a car that has just blown a tire and needs to take extra time to get back on track before they're actually running around the racetrack. That's why clubs want to make sure that they're getting the best possible return for their money. They want to know exactly what they're getting. So it, it is a risk assessment. It's not like we see the term failed medical. I know we kind of talked about this before. You don't really fail a medical. Uh, yeah. There was a quote, shoot, I'm trying to find from where it, where it is. Dr. Charlotte Cowie, who used to be yeah. the head of medical teams at Tottenham and Fulham and, and has done some other things. And, you know, her quote is, yeah, one man's pass is another man's fail. It doesn't, it, it's just about your tolerance for risk. 
And the reality is signing players is an investment. It is something that that carries risk with it. So you want to make sure you know enough. You want to make sure you know as much about your investment as possible. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Joe, we'll dig a little more into that aspect of failure and what it means in the terms of a soccer medical. Back shortly. Soccer 101, welcome back to our medicals special. All right, there have been many notable high-profile cases of players failing medicals, or we're using failure uh, in the sense that we described before the break here, uh, in that it's a relative term. But uh, Taylor, mm-hmm. what happens when a player fails? They put their shirt back on, take all the things off their chest and walk home with their tail between their legs? Yeah, pretty much. Um, that that can be one way it goes. You can still get a, a a retake, and there are certain players that fail and then will take it again and pass because there may have just been an outlier, something strange going on, uh, and and so you can still get the deal going through. That can be when, if there is some sort of difference or some unexpected result, that's when maybe a fee can be adjusted. Uh, one of those example would be Ali Sissoko, uh, the French left back, uh, failed his first medical in his transfer from Porto to Milan. Past the second, Milan tried to renegotiate the deal with Porto. Porto withdrew, uh, and so he ended up being sold elsewhere. But Milan doctors found issues with his teeth that could have been indicative of uh, larger issues specifically relating to his spine. Uh, I was confused about that. I ended up reading yeah. a couple different like reports that like explain how tooth decay and issues with your teeth can lead to spinal problems. Turns out the whole thing's kind of connected, that body of ours, and no one quite wow. fully understands it, but people have ideas. Uh, and so maybe there's some, like, maybe there's some uh, genuine, like, action here maybe it was just milan uh trying to get a better price but either way that can be one where they took the 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 medical again he passed it and then milan still went for the lower fee because of that initial failure and some of the concerns that were presented um you might still get uh, as was already said uh, a, a manager sort of bypassing because nope this is just the player we want and you might get a situation in which something more severe is identified and then you basically have to have that player step away to deal with that medical issue uh in its entirety a good example of that would be uh anthony robinson the u.s left back who was supposed to move from wigan to ac milan uh had uh i think heart arrhythmia detected on his medical and because it was deadline day, uh, wasn't able to get additional testing done. Milan didn't feel comfortable with it. They wanted to understand the issue further. So that deal fell through. Uh, and that is, uh, I'll, I'll jump from that point for a moment just to say that is a thing that I, I was interested to learn about, that there are physios who have that very detailed plan that Graham laid out, but then there are other physios that have a three-hour window to work with because it's deadline day and you got to do everything you can as fast as possible. And in this case, Milan didn't feel like they had the information needed. Uh, and and I re- remember this being that Robinson needed a procedure and he would get the procedure and then he came back and was good to go. That was not the case, it turns out. Uh, I did not do a good job of following this one because what actually happened is he had had anybody? Too much caffeine. Too many energy drinks and coffee had basically affected him, I guess, more than expected. Maybe that's the thing that happens when you're flying to sign for AC Milan from Wigan. Uh, you have a few co- like, drinks of coffee to get that energy going. Uh, but it was basically that that was the problem. He delayed the procedure because of COVID. And in that time, the issue corrected itself. And they believe it was just too much caffeine in a system. So you can have those weird outliers that lead to the medical 
uh, being failed, quote unquote, but really to the buying club saying mm, there's other issues we want to investigate and we don't have time. So we're going to pass for now. Deadline day is when you get Ryan's Roman physical. I think yeah, that's what yeah, it feels that way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Physios at cl- big clubs aren't getting home for dinner on deadline day, are they? It's definitely a busy day for them. Yep. Taylor, my, my takeaway there was the, the thing about teeth and how they, it can show or mm-hmm. it can affect other issues uh, in in your body. Do you think that's why England haven't won a World Cup in sixty years? I think it's probably part of it. Yeah, I think I think for sure that that's what's holding you all back. Don't you all have free dental care as well? Yes, but it's not very good. Ah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. No, I mean that is like you you hear that a lot. That like uh, what plaque can be plaque from your teeth can be one of the major things that contributes to a heart attack, or it can contribute to a heart attack because that plaque can then be swallowed and build up, and that's not great. Uh, grinding of your teeth can be indicative of I think like an. Uh, a maladjusted spine or not advocating for chiropractors, but that you might need uh, some like look at your lumbar support. And the one that I read about specifically, this one a bit stranger, was a, a person who presented with having severe back pain. Uh, they had like a lot of sensitivity, inflammation around their spine and couldn't really figure out what it was. And it ended up being, I guess, on the on the medical screener that he had not been to a dentist in 20 years. Don't skip the dentist for 20 years and had such bad tooth infections that he basically had uh, strep in his spine, uh, which started what? with his teeth. So, yeah, basically, oh. uh, your teeth are a big part of helping you stay healthy. Brush your teeth, floss. Go to the dentist, folks. It, it, I, it makes a difference. I have learned a lot here. When yep. you first started telling this tale, I thought it was AC Milan just looking for a Me way too. to knock Me £10 too. million pounds off the price, where basically they did a medical and went, ah, see a problem here, split ends, we're going to need uh, £10 million <laughs> taken off this price. But now I feel like I may have underestimated just how much of an insight into spine health your teeth are. Yeah, yeah Medical's yeah, a bit more yeah. thorough in the north of this country, evidently, Graham. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, Graham, why don't we dig in a little bit to some notable failed medicals throughout soccer history? The one that stands out, or one of the more famous cases, is probably Ruben Nistelrooy when he moved to Manchester yeah. United, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So Ruud van Nistelrooy, he failed uh, medical. I know there's we're talking about failed medicals in terms of a transfer that scuppered, scuppered uh, uh, sorry, a, a medical that scuppered a transfer. And Ruud van Nistelrooy, he initially didn't get his move to Manchester United. I know what you're thinking. Van Nistelrooy was a good player for Manchester United and he did eventually sign for them, but he failed a medical in 2000 before he joined in 2001. This is a weird one because... Manchester United found an issue in Van Nistelrooy's knee and the deal the deal collapsed after that. Somewhat unbelievably, the very next day, Ruud Van Nistelrooy ruptures his knee ligaments in training and he's out for a year. So Manchester United might have felt with some justification that they judged it correctly and that they dodged a, a bullet somewhat. But then they went back for Van Nistelrooy 12 months later, uh, signed him, and obviously he was a big success from for them. So I'm I'm not really sure what to take from any of that. It's just a very weird story. Yeah, they signed him for a British transfer record as well, Graham, no less. So uh, yeah, what was that about? Like 19 million, 20 million, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's cute, very cute. Back in 2002, definitely. So, but but that's but that speaks to it because it's not. And this is the thing that we've already said a couple times. It's not just like oh, you have an injury. Nope, you fail. It's about 
the the degree of the injuries you've had, how many you've had, and then the wear on those joints. And so, yeah, I, I heard reports of players who'd had two ACL surgeries or one on each knee, but both were done well, both had healed well. And so, nope, your ACL's intact, no, no concerns there versus, yeah, we're seeing a lot of micro tears, a lot of wear, uh, ankles and knees tend to be the big ones. And so if it seems like there is going to be a need for surgery that can be far more negative than, oh, you've recently had surgery. Yeah. One of the uh, interesting cases uh, I remember as well is from, I'm going to drop my team here, Wimbledon. Here we go. Uh, John Hartson, uh, who was a player who um, was Wimbledon's transfer record. I think he cost seven and a half million pounds. He remains Wimbledon's transfer record, which still is a a very quaint figure in modern terms, of course. It was a Premier League team as Wimbledon were back then. Um, He failed, Graham, a medical three times. Uh, He tried to, he failed medicals at uh, Rangers, at Spurs and at Charlton. Um, this is, I believe, many of these were Wimbledon actually trying to sell him uh, once, they were rele- once we were relegated and failing to do so. But he eventually went to play for Celtic and scored 100 goals in 150 games. Yeah. So he had a very good career after that. But he's an odd case, Graham, because he doesn't look like a soccer player. He looks like he's no. a guy who spends his afternoons in the bar. He does. He, when you look at pictures of John Hartson playing in European games for Celtic, and as you say, he was very successful. He scored 100 goals in 150 games. He was quite uh, agricultural, you, you'd say, in his style. <laughs> so a bit of a bit of a target man. You could hit him with long balls, and he was quite physical. So maybe maybe the uh, the look was was quite appropriate, I guess. But yeah, that is that is one that's always brought up in in Scottish football because, of course, you when you fail a, a medical or that transfer doesn't happen because of a a medical and then you go on to become a Celtic legend. I guess maybe Rangers at the time regretted that one. Indeed. Uh, Taylor, any other notable cases? Uh, uh, no, I think we, we've covered I guess the only other one that I had on my list was Kanu, which is a strange one because it sounds like that was a medical that happened after he had signed, but he moves from Inter to Ajax. He plays in, I think, AFCON that summer uh, and then goes to have a medical with Inter. Maybe it's the preseason medical, but it revealed he had a heart defect. Uh, I think retirement was recommended. Instead, he undergoes an aortic valve replacement and is out for, I think, like six to seven months and then comes back, uh, finishes the season with Inter, doesn't get many appearances, only scores one goal, then moves to Arsenal and scores plenty more goals. So you can still, you can have those sort of severe issues detected as you initially asked about Ryan, and that's one in which it was caught, it was dealt with, and then his career resumed uh, to great success. Yeah. Another wow. recent one, or, or sorry, a, a, maybe a more recent one, as uh, Nabil Fakir ah, in yes. the, yeah. the, the summer window of yeah. 2018. Liverpool agree a 60 million euro deal. So a big, a big transfer, this one. They agree that deal with uh, Leon for the signing of Fakir. And he was meant to be the replacement for Coutinho. And the, the deal was basically done. But then problems were found with Fakir's uh, knee in the medical <laughs> and the deal fell through. There's a little bit of confusion about this yes, because basically is. all the reports at the time said it was a medical issue. Since then, Fakir, who actually went to Real Betis, and he's, and he's still there, um, he has kind of disputed this, and he said there was another reason, but as far as I can see, he hasn't really said what that, yeah, that other brother. reason His was. brother. His is, brother. Is, is what... that? So the way I understood this, a lot of this is allegedly fire truck of lawyers. Uh, and Joe, <laughs> if you have thoughts on this one, I apologize for jumping in. No, you're um, fine. 
But as I understand it, it was basically, again, we go back to the, you don't truly fail. There are concerns about the player. And I think in this case, maybe the concerns that were revealed were used to scupper the deal because what I think later comes out is, I think Nabil Fakir mentions that his brother asked for a personal fee, that they wanted more money to the player and the family, uh, and that there were demands, uh, like personal demands, before the transfer could go through. Uh, essentially, once the deal had been agreed, uh, like representatives for Nabil Fakir were basically saying, like, okay, now that you all have put pen to paper, we actually do want more money before we're willing to do this. And if you believe that narrative, then Liverpool thought, we're not sure this is the player we want. Let's mm. look at that medical again. Oh, his knee might be a problem. Right. It n- might not hold up to what we're asking. Okay, we're going to say no because of medical issues, and that's a way to get around uh, yeah. maybe agreeing to a deal. The, the reason this one is so notable is that the deal was so far along. So yeah. Fakir, he's even posed in a Liverpool shirt for his announcement. He's given a video interview where he's been given a tour of the of the training ground. I think Liverpool at that time trained at, at Kirby. And the pictures leaked of him in the shirt on social media and how they were going to announce it on the site. And in the end, none of it actually materialized. That transfer didn't happen. So I guess it's, I guess it's rare. It really did feel like Liverpool, Leon and Fakir were all at the point when they're sitting down at the table to sign the contracts. And then this one didn't happen. Wow. There we go. Some very interesting cases there. Uh, Joe, I think we've covered this topic pretty well. Any more to add apart from the fact that we should all go and brush our teeth? Yeah, brush your teeth. <laughs> Apparently, that will uh, avoid spinal strep. Is that what it was? Good. I'm still reeling it, it, from everything that I've learned was, in this show. I can't remember if it was strep or staff, but I feel like staff would be a far worse situation. So I'm sticking with strep for now. Either way, you'll find me brushing my teeth for about an hour after this show. There we go. Yeah, there we I'm, go. I'm never going to stop brushing my teeth. Forever unclean. Forever unclean. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Taylor Rockwell, for your contributions to this Soccer 101. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you all. This was a fun one. It was indeed. Graham Ruffin, thank you for the fun times. Thank you, Ryan Bailey, and who's ever watch that was? That was my watch telling me no problem. And it's my watch screen says, all right, thank you, Taylor Rockwell, for contributions to this Soccer 101. And, and Siri decided to say See, no problem. Brilliant. Now, I'm already talked about how the Apple Watches over there seem to sound like Ryan Bailey. Now I'm just suspiciously wondering if Ryan Bailey actually exists or if this is, is all Apple some AI watch. experiment. I yeah. think Ryan just is yeah. an Apple Watch, yeah. You'll never know. Joe Lowry, thank you, sir. Right back at you, Ryan. And thank you, listener, for checking out this episode. Plenty more on the feed and more to come. But for now, catch you later.